we are to say that He is our God. Man, so we want to welcome you. If this is your first time here, maybe get a little bit of a feel of who we are. We love Jesus. Everything we do is about Jesus. Jesus is our man. This, this whole show is about Him. So we want to welcome you, and you you do belong here. There's a place for you to grow, place for you to learn. I mean, we're all learning together, so why not do it with a bunch of friendly people, right? I mean, you might as well. Uh, you know, just before we get into this, I just want to give a quick shout-out. It is my, my grandparents' 60th anniversary today. And uh, Mr. Could you just, can you, Opa Oma, could you stand up for a quick sec? I know the Opa doesn't like this. Oma, you can stand up for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> And her brothers from Holland flew in on Wednesday or Thursday, I believe it was, to come and surprise them. So, Om Andrea, Om Dick, would you guys just stand up too? And you can give a Dutch wave. Just, I'll translate that wave that was hello in Dutch. That was hello in Dutch, so just in case you wasn't quite sure what it was. But we just want to honor you guys, because really without Open Oma really being, you know, steadfast and faithful and who you guys are, we wouldn't be here as a church. Yeah. I mean, Pastor John Ingram planted this church, but I know these guys were very instrumental in that. So, Open Oma, we want to just honor you. Thank you so much for not just this, but your legacy. I mean, you're, you've, you're, people marry 60 years. Like, people give a high five when they get to five. But 60 years, so thank you for being such God-fearing people. Psalm 112, so we thank you. And I'm not just saying this, me, all of our family that's here, there's a lot of cousins here as well. Your, your, your siblings, all your kids, we, wanna, we love you. We thank you for who you guys are. Yeah, I should leave. <laughs> for those that don't know, she always, it sounds like she calls me Scott. She knows my name. It's Joel, but she, it's Scott. That means sweetie, so I'll always be her sweetie. But for those of you that don't know, I lost my poppy. Eric picked it up. Okay, thank you. That's <laughs> Father. <laughs> I'll take that back. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone, good morning again. Here we go. We are continuing our series on Crave. And how many of you are craving this Jesus? Man, I'm about more and more every day that we go through and every time that we meet again on Sunday. You know, it's supposed to get better. Yes. Today is supposed to be better than it was last week. And last week was pretty fun. But man, we're just going to continue to get better and better. So if you've got your Bibles, just open them to anywhere. And uh, I'll tell you where we're going to go here in a sec. <laughs> okay, Psalm 53. Turn to Psalm 53. I'll get there in a sec. But what we've been talking about, you know, these past the few weeks anyway, is talking about a crave, developing a craving for Jesus. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what's going to change your life. That's what's going to move you forward in life, is developing a passion and a craving for Jesus. You know, and one of the things that we're talking about is we want to move from the place where we're not just fans of Jesus to now we're actually craving this man Jesus. Because, you know, in the, in the body of Christ, we got a lot of fans. Now, what does it mean to be a fan of Jesus? Is someone who is an admirer of his work. Right? I want what he can do for me. But someone who is a craver, what are they? They are people that want him. And the cool thing about it is when you want him, guess what you get? Everything that he has and everything that he is. So we want to move beyond the place where we're just an admirer of who he is to someone that we would follow to the very end. Someone that we crave. And in fact, we find him essential to living. You know, in North America, this is something that we have to guard against, is that we, I mean, we, we got a lot of blessings, but he's got to move from the place where, oh yeah, Jesus is a nice thing that I do on Sundays or Saturday nights, to now him becoming essential to my everyday life. The next decision that you've got to make, maybe you and your, your wife or your husband, you got a decision that you guys got to make. Jesus is essential in my decision-making process. So we're moving beyond the place of just having a fanship of Jesus to now moving into this craving business of him. No, I asked the Lord this a little while ago. I was like, why does, it, why does it seem that some people experience you more than others? 
Because if you look at it, sometimes how, how come it is that people just experience Jesus all the time? When they come to church on a regular basis, they just seem to experience him on a weekly basis when they come gathered here and throughout the week. How do they do that? It's very simple. They crave him. That, that's all that it is. It's not some God doesn't have favorites. Right? God doesn't like, oh, I like you, I like you, and yeah, you're okay, and I like you, and I like you, and I'm not pointing to anybody in general, just so you know. Just... But God, it says in His Word, Romans 2.11, that God has no favorites. He doesn't show favoritism to ever. But this is it. You will have as much of God as you want. The decision is up to you. Just think about that for a moment. You are having as much of God in your life that you are allowing. You can have as much of Him as you want because, listen, He already went to the cross. He gave all of Himself to you. So it's really up to you and I of how much you want Jesus. Isn't that good news? So think about it. How badly do you want Him? You can turn that up. If you're a two today, guess what? We're going to get you to a four. If you're a four, let's get you to six. If you're a ten, let's go to the next level. There is always more of Him. You're never going to run out of Him, right? Okay. So what are we saying when we're saying these words, Jesus, I crave you? You're saying this, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to have access into every area of my life. Jesus, I want your leadership. You know, think about it. Not everybody wants his leadership. Not everybody wants to be guided by the Spirit of God. Why? Because sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes He'll lead you in things that you're not really interested in doing. But I want His, his Lordship. I want His leadership in my life. Thirdly, it says, I want His thoughts. Because a lot of times, you know, we all grew up in different cultures. We grew up in different families. And so what happens is you actually look now to the world through the pair of goggles that were handed to you. Whether it's your last name or it's a culture that you grew up in, you view the world from how you grew up, right? So what do we need to do? We have, the Bible tells us over and over, we've got to get renewed, get on God's goggles and put the word on. And so we start looking at the world through the word. We got to start thinking like he thinks. It's not even political stuff. It's how does God see it? That's the answer. Okay. So it's, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. Forget about the political side of it. What does God say about it? And I'm going to stick with the word. This is what we're called to do, right? We're not called to just fight everybody out there. We're called to find out what the Word says. We're supposed to proclaim it. And the result is, signs follow the Word. Well, how do I know what's the truth? Well, signs will follow. So that's good news. We actually can back this stuff up. Right? Okay. So, and again, I'm just laying a quick foundation so we can get to what we're going to talk about today. And we're talking about, we're talking about crave exchange today. And last night we had a good time. We had one individual got filled with the Holy Spirit and giddy up. Woo! Man, it came flowing and he just started speaking and yeah, here we go. So today, I'm excited for what today holds. Who knows? But this is, the, I love this scripture, Psalm 53 and verse 2. You're there. But I just find this is amazing. This is what God is doing currently right at this moment. It says this, God has looked down from heaven on the children of men to see. Somebody say to see. So he's looking down to see if there is anyone who understands who seeks after God, and in brackets, and they amplify the new one, it says, those who require Him, who long for Him as essential to life. So what is God looking for right now? Someone who views Him as essential to life. That's what He's looking for. And this backed up Second Chronicles 69. It says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, and He's looking to demonstrate Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts is loyal towards Him. So what does God want to do? He wants to show off. He wants to demonstrate himself in you and through you so that people can go, wow, this is amazing. Now, who are the people that he uses? Those that find him essential to life. Not just an add-on, not just a tag-along, not just a rabbit's good luck charm foot. That he's essential to my living. 
that I wake up, I go, Jesus, I need you today. It's a lifestyle. And guess what? It's just a change. It's a decision that you make, right? Okay, here we go. So we talked about three mindsets over the past three weeks that we had to take on as our mindsets in order to fully operate in our relationship with Jesus. Because how many of you guys know that in your spirit, there is nothing wrong with you? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, put your hand up. And throw a whoop, whoop. <laughs> so again, let me see your hand. Where's your hand? There it is. All right. We're going to get you. Those that don't have their hands raised, today is your day. But the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what does the Bible tell us? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's good, it's good news for you. But what happens? Your old man... The old man is dead. What happened? The fresh and the new came. You were reborn. Say reborn. reborn. God didn't just heal your spirit. He had to kill that thing. It was so full of sin, so full of garbage, he had to kill it. So he put Jesus on the cross and put all of your sin, past, present, future, all on him. And he died with it and went to hell with it. So now you've been recreated. So spiritually speaking, you are one third of you of who you are as a being, spirit, soul, body. You are wall to wall spirit of God. You look just like Jesus. Man, that's good news. You're just like him. Man, if I were to strip off your clothes or your, your body, not your clothes. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> but if I were just to strip off your body and take it off from you and there was your spirit, man, guess what it would look like? Come on, not awkward. It looked just like Jesus. You would look just like him. Spirit, just like spirit. Exactly the exact same. It says in the Bible, James, First uh, John chapter 4, as he is, so am I. Where? In heaven? No, in the world right now. Here, right now. That's who I am. That's my identity. This is who I am. So this is the first mindset that we have to get established. Because again, if I don't have anything wrong spiritually speaking with God, then where is my problem lying? It's in my brain. Right? So the brain is going to determine the game. What's my thinking like? When I approach God, what are, how is my approach towards Him? Because if I come still, I, oh, I think I'm a sinner and I'm so unworthy of all this. Guess what? You will not experience Jesus as close as you want Him to be. Right. He designed to come close. He lives on the inside of you now. Kind of close. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so the first mindset we dealt with is this. God wanted a relationship with me first. Can we just say that together on the screen? says, God wanted a close relationship with me first. It's not you just going after a God that's somewhat interested in you. No, do you see your God craving you? Do you see your God longing for you? Do you see your God having a passion and a desire for you? Because, you know, this is where it all begins. The Lord said this to me. It's hard, Joel, for you to have a craving for me if you don't realize first that I have one for you. He craved you first, and his craving has not dwindled over the years. All the mishaps that you kept having week after week, that doesn't stop him from craving you. You know, James 4 verse 5, it says this in the Passion Bible. It says, does the scripture mean nothing when it says this? The spirit that God has breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. He wants you. Say that, he wants me. Man, that's just been my soul. Every when I wake up in the morning, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I crave you today. But before that, Lord, thank you. You crave me today. Man, what do you do to respond? Like, let's just say, husbands, for a moment here. When your wife says, I crave you, what do you go? Yeah, whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? It's good news for you. 
Now, what would you do? Just go, oh, that's nice. I'm going to just go to work for a really, really long time and I'll see you later. No, you'd be like, I'm finding every possible way to get home to spend time with my wife. I don't act all pious and all. No, no, let's, right? Someone that craves you, what are you going to do? You're going to respond by going, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take some of that. Now, your God is saying, I crave you. My response is, oh, I want that. You'd be crazy to not accept that. Right? So our response, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So everything in your life is a response to God. You ain't starting nothing with him. Everything that you do is response. When you raise your hands, you're not doing God a favor. It's just a response of what he's already done. Right? Going to church then is not something, oh, I got better go to church. You get to do because he loved me first. So everything I do in my Christian life is a response now to how much he loves me. I give because he loves me. I don't give out of religious duty. I don't give simply because that's the right thing to do. I give because he first loved me. So everything in my life flows from this place, right? So the second thing that we talked about is that God is the liberator. So if my creator is the liberator, then what does that make me? Free. Makes me free. If my God is the one who forgives, then what does that make me? Huh, I've been forgiven. So that's who I am. I am free and I am forgiven. Just say that I'm free. Say I'm free. When are you free? Now. And we read Ephesians chapter 1. We're not going to turn there for time's sake. Ephesians 1, 1 through 7 all talks about what God decided before the foundation of the world. It said before he laid the foundation of the world, he called you holy. He called you blameless. He called you without fault, even in his eyes. So what does that make me? Blameless. Free. He said he forgave all of your sin before the foundation of the world. So how does God see you? Does he see you as a sinner? No, he sees you free from it. Even if you're stuck in addiction, when did God free you? Before the foundation of the world. So we've got to get our minds renewed to this. You're not trying to get free. The devil will say, you're just stuck in this. You're just stuck in that. No, 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 no. He already freed me. So I have to start seeing myself the same way that God sees me. Because it's great that God sees me like that. Thank God he sees me that way. But I need to see myself that way. I need to see myself free. Because the moment you do, guess what? That's it for the devil. He's got no chance bringing another lie across your path. Okay? Thirdly then, is this mindset we talked last week of I am righteous. Now we've got to understand this because I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what separates churches. This is the difference with churches where you have shallow Christianity and you have those that are strong in the word and are seeing results in their life. If you don't understand the reality that you are righteous, you will be a baby the, all the days of your life. I'll prove it to you. I'm not trying to be harsh. That's just what the word says. Hebrews chapter 5, 13. Turn there real quick. I want you to see it in your Bible. It'll come up on the screen. I'm going to read it to you from the King, New King James and then also from the Passion. Are we ready? Yeah. I'm just laying up. This isn't, this is just the intro, everybody. I got, I need a few minutes to prime the pump here. So this, everyone, say everyone. Everyone, everyone who partakes only of milk, and we know milk to be what? I mean, think of it for a baby, and just naturally speaking, what is milk? It's, it's baby food, right? When, when London was first born, we gave her milk, right? Breast milk. I don't chest feed. We breastfeed. Okay? Just got to throw that out there every once in a while. For those of you that don't know, when we first had London, uh, the, you know, they had to do some, you know, they do all the protocol. And they said, uh, are you going to be chest feeding your daughter? 
I ain't doing none of that. I, I ain't doing that at all. But my wife will be breastfeeding, yes. Why, these things got nothing. They're just, you know, straight up muscle, my right ear. They ain't going to get nothing out of that. Me and Aaron, we do the bench press together, so we know what we're talking about. <laughs> all 112 pounds of it, we do it. <laughs> Where was I? Milk, oh, milk, yeah, milk. Something that we don't produce that we do the bench press. All right, okay. For everyone who partakes only of milk, <laughs> notice what the next word is. Is what? Unskilled. In the word of righteousness, he is a babe. Now, let me just tell you, in the Passion Bible, it says this. Every spiritual infant who only lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. So where does this all begin? You have to understand that you are righteous. This is where it all begins because righteous people live different than those in the world. How do righteous people live? They live by faith. So before we can even talk about faith and how to live by faith, you have to get this in your thinking that I am righteous. Even if I messed up before, even if I've sinned in my past, God looks at me as if I am righteous. So I have to see myself as righteous. This and only this, when you get this understanding, not just, this is not head knowledge. You get this from your heart. You spend time meditating on these scriptures, thinking on them. I am right. I stand before God as if I've never done a thing wrong. Trust me, you say that to yourself consistently. All of a sudden, it'll just ding on you. I'm right. Man, I'm righteous. Ah! And you get excited because this is what the blood of Jesus did for you. You are righteous. Oh, man, I love that. So what does righteousness mean? As we said many times, right standing with God, it is a right relationship with God right now. You can go to the Holy of Holies. Remember that place we talked about last week? Man, the high priest would go into this place and he had to have a rope tied around with some bells because if he collapsed, well, you can't go in there and drag him out. So they had a rope around him and they had to pull the dead guy out. They couldn't even walk into that presence because sin can't stand in the presence of God. Well, guess now where that holy presence is that the Old Testament talks about? Where is that now? It's on the inside of you. Oh, yeah, but I messed up. It's not about what you do or don't do. It's about what Jesus did. So how do we become righteous? We said this last week, we become righteous not by obeying the law. There is nothing you can do. There is no commandment that you try to keep that will make you righteous before God. Because if you try, there are 613 laws for you to study, to think, and to live rightly on in order to even make it. Thank God you're not, you're not able to do it. I'll just tell you that right now. You have to quit your job. You're going to have to quit everything in life in order to just make sure you obey these 613 laws and you'll fail. So what did God do? He said, I knew they weren't able to do it because of the weakness of their flesh. So he said, I'm going to bring somebody. I make a covenant with Abraham. This man, Jesus, is going to come and he's going to fulfill the law. He's going to fulfill it for us. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so now, how do we become righteous? Romans 3, 21, 22 says this. But now, say but now. God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. So you have to get this in your thinking. It's not about your to-do list. I got to do this. I got to do that in order to, you know, be God-pleasing to me. It ain't about your actions anymore. You got to hear that. It's not about your church attendance. It's not about how well you serve and get involved. All those are results of, you know, you finding out how good God's been to you. But if you're doing this in order to be made right in God's eyes, you will burn yourself out. 
So he says, all this we're keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and prophets long ago. Verse 22. Click. We are made right with God. How? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. You could be the most rottenest sinner on the planet, yet the moment you cry out to Jesus, say, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior, come into my life. The moment he comes in and he makes you new. I love that. Just he made you that way. I am a male, so I act and behave a certain way. Jamie made me a father of three kids. Now I'm a dad. I act a certain way because I'm a dad now. She made me a dad. Right? So the same way now, God made you righteous. So there's a whole new way of thinking here. That's who I am. It has nothing to do with your past. It has nothing to do with you, what you didn't do or should you didn't do or shouldn't do. You are now made righteous. Man, isn't that good news? So this is who we are. Right? Okay. So this morning, in my last little bit of time here, I want to talk about the Crave Exchange. Everyone at some point, no, not at some point, everyone, even this morning, you are craving something. Right? You crave something. And the cool thing is you actually have the power to set your crave. Why is it that some people like going for hikes? They crave going hiking. And some people crave, you know, going to coffee shops. And some people crave donuts. And some people crave Big Macs. Like, it doesn't just accidentally come. You have to set your crave. Right? Yeah, sure, it's great. You may enjoy that hobby. But the more that you do it, the more you start to crave it. Anybody ever, any cra crazy cravings? Pregnant women out there, is anybody that, you know, you got some cravings going on? My wife really enjoyed pickles. I mean, we, we told the lady at, uh, what was that restaurant that we liked? Browns. Man, Browns, and they're, they're great. So we just said, you know, my wife's pregnant. Can she have some pickles? She came out with like, here's a jug of, you know, dill pickles. Bam. It's like, there you go. You feed on them. But everybody's got a craving, and you set your crave. Now, I want to ask you this question. What does a craving for Jesus look like for you? What does it look like for you? Now, again, it will be different for everyone because we're all uniquely made by God. So you can't look at somebody's relationship with Jesus and go, I want the exact same thing because it'll never be the exact same thing. My relationship with God is my relationship with God. God doesn't have grandchildren. He's got kids. So when God works with his kids, he loves us not all the same. He loves us all uniquely. Right? I got three kids of my own. I know very clearly, and I see very clearly, is that I can't love all three of them the exact same way. Why? Because if I love Jace a certain way, and I love Max the same way, and I love London the same way, it will not work. Right? They're unique kids. They're different. Right? Jace wants to beat me up and wrestle. That's how we demonstrate love towards one another. And that's great. But with Max, I can't just wallop on him and say, are you having fun, bud? Yeah. Love it. No, with Max, I'm going to sit down and we're going to, we're going to, you know, color coordinate things. We're going to think things through. Hey, you, you laugh, but you know what? I need Max in my life. This guy, this guy has brought so much clarity and understanding that life is not all about beating each other up. Like, man, this is okay. If anybody wants to go on a date with Max, it is one of the best things in your entire life. Well, you know, I'll be honest. This is the Lord. The, when we prayed over for Max in the womb, Man, he touches my heart. That boy just, man, he makes me cry a few times a week. Like, that guy is something else to me. But uh, the Lord gave us the word relief, that he would bring a relief to people. And there have been times when men I've just, like, even just some crappy stuff happened or whatever. I just pick up Max, and all of a sudden it'd just be, ah, ah, God, thank you for this guy. Like, this boy helps me. He helps me color coordinate. <laughs> and his fine motor skills destroy mine on any given day. 
Me and Jace are having the same cutting problems. We're just trying to figure out how to do this. Meanwhile, Max got the perfect, you know, perfect hands for writing. Meanwhile, we're just... <laughs> so it, you got to think of it. God looks at you the same way. He doesn't go, oh, I'm going to love you all the same. Right? No, he looks at you and goes, I know the ins and outs. He knows how to get to you. He knows how to reach you. He knows how to turn your crank. He knows exactly what you need for where you're at. Because the way that the Lord deals with me even, I like it straight. Talk to me straight. Like, let's, let's wrestle a little bit and then just hit it to me. I, I prefer that rather than, you know, you know, buy me a nice dinner and just kind of massage me a little bit to get into there. Right? It, <laughs> I, I don't know because I don't like that. So I'm not I'm just, if you're like that, that's great. God will meet you where you're at. No one way is better than the other. God will get to you the way that you need to be gotten. Okay. But again, what does a craving for Jesus look like? And one of the things that we have to understand is, is that even though one of the temptations may be, well, I'm doing better than so-and-so. I mean, I, I come up and I lift my hands during worship. That person doesn't do nothing. So I'm obviously more on fire than he is, right? Or you look at other churches and go, oh, they're, they're not so fire on God. They don't sing that song or they don't talk like this in our church. Yeah, they, obviously they're not that on fire for God. The standard is not each other. The standard is the word. So you got to compare yourself to what the Word says. And what does the Word say? Oh, Romans 12, 11. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay, I'm going to read it to you. It's there. I'll read it to you from the Amplified. It says, Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. So never lag in zeal. What is zeal? Passion. Can somebody show me what zeal looks like? Sure not that. All right. <laughs> Come on, I see you at your football game. What does zeal look like? All right, we're going to... This is just awkward for everyone. Okay, Do I have to call people up? Are we going to have to do that? No? Okay. Let me read it to you from the Passion Bible. Maybe this will, this will change it. He said, be enthusiastic. Oh, 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 oh shoot. <laughs> No, I'm telling you, this is the standard. So what does a craving for God look like? Enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keeping your passion toward Him boiling hot. So I want you just to imagine a kettle here for a moment, right? There it is. Now the kettle, if you I mean, anybody enjoy a good cup of tea? All right, you know, good, manly cup of tea. Now, what do you got to do in order to get water boiling hot? Heat it up. What do you got to do? You got to flick the switch. You are in charge of your own switch you got to flick your own switch. Because the standard is boiling hot. So not lukewarm. Not just when you hear the kettle just going, making all those like... Like your house is going to blow up. Right? The standard is, if you put it on the, on the stove, that's the standard. Okay? No, you need, to, you need to hear this, church. This is who we are. Because one of the things the Lord, I remember Him saying this to me a while ago, is Christianity is at its best when lived passionately because mediocrity compromises the message. Mediocrity is going to destroy the message. Mediocrity is going to make the world look at us and go, that's like, this is all that it is? This is it? What separates us from the world are cool events and how cool our light's on. It's how passionate we are before Him. Not just, ah, 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 just wild. I'm talking about a genuine heart for Jesus. You can see it on people. You can, you can smell it on them. You can tell them. Because you know what? Mediocrity is killing the Christian life. It's making your and my witness absolutely of no effect to a world that is looking for something. 
The Muslims are crazy about it. They got zeal for a lie. They're living their life for a lie, and they got a lot of zeal. Whereas Christians, we're, we're oh, yeah, it's, it's good, it's nice. Man, God needs that same zeal. Because what happens when you have a believer that is zealous for God? Zealous for God? Whoa. It'll turn the world upside down. That's what it says in the book of Acts. These were men, they were, they seen, they recognized them to be with Jesus. What happened? They turned the world upside down. Why was Jesus such a threat wherever he went to the religious mindset? It's because he was zealous for his father. That's what it is. He, every time he answered, it was zeal before God. That's why he had it. So guess what? You gotta turn your own switch on. You ready to turn your own crank? Yeah. yeah. And the reason I think why I'm sharing all this with you is because I'm, I'm coming to a place in my own life where yeah, mediocrity is not okay anymore. I've been reading a lot of these old timers and for, I've told you before, Smith Wigglesworth is one of the men that I really enjoy reading after. And this man actually said in one of his books, he was at a pastor's conference and the pastor that was about to speak or this minister that was about to speak to all these ministers that were there, he was a little bit mm, not too excited to be preaching at that event. Smith Wigglesworth looked at him and said, you know, lukewarm Christianity is what's, the, is what's killing Christians today. He's like, you might as well be out of service. You are of no use to the kingdom. It's straight up. But listen, we got to wake up here a little bit. Well, we are on an assignment. You're not here just to take up space, live eight to five, do your job and do your thing and go home. There is more to this. We are here on an assignment. So mediocrity is compromising the message. We can't have that anymore. Right? We got to go all in, go all out in, go all out. This is a Jesus who came and gave his all. We got to give it right back. Okay. So I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 2. <laughs> boiling hot. Then he says, radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. So that's the standard. Every time that I have the opportunity to minister somebody, I do it with excitement. It's not like, oh, I don't know if I want to show Jesus. Man, I get to show Jesus. I want you to meet my friend. This is who he is. So Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, I love these, these verses. Anybody ever spend time reading the book of Revelation? Oh, man, it's awesome. You know, when it says in the beginning, anyone who reads this book is going to be blessed. So read the book. It's good. It's exciting. But I want you to remember John, the apostle John wrote this book. And he wrote it while he was on the island of Patmos, which was a prison for a lot of political, you know, people that caused a lot of problems in areas. They would just ship them off to this island till they would just die from heat or starvation or whatever. Right? They were there just to roam. So the last time that the apostle Paul, or sorry, the apostle John sees Jesus... <clears throat> He saw him you know, on the cross, resurrected, and he saw him as a man go into heaven. But all of a sudden, on this day, on this occasion, he hears these words, and it says like this, his words were like numerous waterfalls falling. Just so much sound. He turns and he looks, and he sees now, not the Jesus who ascended, but now he sees the risen King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He sees Jesus in all of his glory. He sees Jesus in all of his splendor. And he turns and he sees and goes, his hair was as white as wool. His eyes were flames of fire. And out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. Now we're talking about, whoa. And he says, in his, John says, I fell at his feet as if dead. So I want you to think, it's not just you know some guy that's kind of hanging out there. This is a king of all kings. This is Jesus in all of his glory. Oh, man, and we're going to see him like that. Whoo, that's amazing for us. So anyways, in John's whole experience, and then he said, I got, Jesus has a message for his churches. 
And he lists off, you know, there's seven different churches that Jesus talks to. And the first one is, in, uh, is the church called Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. And he writes this to an angel and he says, I want you to give this to the pastor of this church. Now, I believe that these words, these messages that we read in the book of Revelation are for us today. These are the New Testament churches that we've got to hear it. Okay, he's growing us up. So he says this, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And I'm going to continue reading it to you in the Passion here. Jesus says, I know all that you've done for me. So I want you just to hear this for you now. I know all that I've, you've done for me. You have worked hard and you've persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have taste, tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know that you have... You have uh, bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, and yet you have not become discouraged. Good. good for you. Like honestly, he's commanding that. I know these works, and you haven't laid down, you haven't done all the. Thank you for that. But then in verse 4, it says this, But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. And this love is an exclusive love that has first place in your hearts above all else. Think about how far you have fallen, repent, or take another mind, and do the works of love you did at first. Return to your passion for me that motivated you at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. So what does this really show me? I'm looking at these words, and I've been studying this for some time. So Jesus know the works that I've been doing. But one thing, you know, Jesus is not as interested in the work as he is in your motive or your heart towards him. You could be working and people like, listen, I know a lot of people here, they're serving here. You guys are involved. Thank you for that. But the moment that our work takes the place of my heart, it. it's not about the work. One of the things I've, I got this letter from an old, old timer, you know, John G. Lake wrote this letter and I got it emailed to me. And one of the things that was said, this gentleman named Eugene Brooks, he corrects John G. Lake in one of his thinking patterns. His thinking pattern is, we got this to do, and I don't know what the next big thing the Lord has for us, but we're going to have this, and we're going to be doing that. And he said, all that may be good, Eugene Brooks writes back and says, that's great that you have all that. But he said, I think you've missed something. See, while, while the man has their eye on the work, God has his eye on the man. God will sacrifice the work to save the man. Our heart, our motive, Jesus has to be the focal point of everything that we do. It's not about a show. It's not about how cool everything all is. It's about our motive has to be geared towards doing it to please Him. Whether in this body or out of this body, Paul says, our goal is to please Him. That's the focus for everything that we do. That's our motive. Because Jesus said, I see the work that you're doing. I see that you persevered. I see that, man, you, tough times came and you did not stumble. You didn't quit. You kept going. He commends us for that. But he said, there's one thing I have against you is you left your first love. Now, again, look at verse 4. The Passion Bible lays out, you have abandoned the passionate desire that you had for me at first. Now, what's that word abandoned mean? Leave behind. You know, if you kind of just study it out, just cast to the side. So let's read Revelation 2-4 with that. It says, I have this against you. You have cast to the side the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. So what does that mean? He said you didn't lose it. It's not like it's gone forever. You've just misplaced it. You've put it to the side. You've abandoned it. You've left it out. So what's he saying? we got to get this thing back. got to get this thing back on track. Again, so what is Jesus saying? You've cast to the side your passion and your craving that you had at the beginning. 
So what do we need to do to reestablish this craving for God again or getting it back from the side? I want you just to think about what was your relationship with Jesus like when you first met him? On fire. What else? Well, just think about for what, what did you do when you first met Jesus? What was your, what was your home like? What was your time like? You can shout it out. What's that? Zeal. Anybody else? Because everybody, listen, you all had a zeal for God. Everybody's had one. When you came and met Jesus and you realized how good and kind he is, everybody had one. And you know, just before, maybe I'll, I'll keep this question there so you're thinking about it. While I'm just saying this, one of the things that I have to, you know, the Lord had to correct me and help me in this. Parents of second and third generation Christians, we have to make sure that we introduce our kids to Jesus, not just the church. I'm learning this for myself because, listen, I, I grew up in this. I, I don't know anything else outside of this. And I'm thankful my parents introduced me to Jesus, not just to the church. And I got to make sure that I do the same thing with my kids because it's easy. Our kids come to church a lot. Our kids are here a lot. If you ever look at attendance records, I mean, my kids are amazing. And I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm thankful for my children that they are, man, they're excited to go to Saturday night. They're excited to come Sunday morning. Is it church day? Like, that's how their attitude. But I want to make sure that Jamie and I really talk about this, that we are introducing them into a personal relationship with Jesus. Because if they meet the church, guess what? The church is faulty. The church has got weirdos and weird stuff happening in it all the time. So what happens? We don't want people recognizing, looking, our kids looking at them and going, oh, that's what the church is? Well, that's kind of weird, but I guess this is what we do. We have to introduce them to Jesus. And even when you start reaching out to people in your workplace and things like that, we have to introduce them to Jesus. Right? Yes, the church. Of course we want to get them here. We want to, you know, be part of a family. We're called to come together. That's what the Bible tells us. But we have to let them meet Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus, everything changes. Because when you meet church people, yeah, we're, we're, people will fail you. Hands down. And if you're looking for a perfect church, you didn't find it here. <laughs> but what are we doing? We have our motive to please God and to work hard for Him and to serve Him and to love Him. Right? Anyways, now back to my question. What was it like when you first met Jesus? What was your home like? Maybe you had tape decks or... A tracks. I don't mean to be offensive, but whatever those are, that's just what. <laughs> Maybe you had CD players. Whatever it was, was your home filled with worship music? Man, what did you do? At, man, you had a lunch hour. You had 15, 20 minutes in for lunch hour. What did you do? You pulled out your word. Right? You spent time in the word. You started thinking about it. And you started going over it. And now, what happened? You invite people to your home. What did you do? You talked about the word. You talked about Jesus. What did you do? You would have prayer meetings. What are those? <laughs> like, come on. We would do all these types of things. I mean, we'd spend so much time with him. And you know what? We wouldn't actually need as much all this Christian counseling that's out there. It's all good. But if you would just spend time with Jesus, get back to your first love. What happens? He'll come and fill you again. But we're looking, rather, we're looking for other people to fill us when he is the only one that can take that place. That's his God. That's his job. That's who he is. He's Jesus. I can't do that. I'll come up short every, come up short every time to, to your expectations. But Jesus won't. So that's why we gotta point people to Jesus. All the time. That's what I loved about the worship this morning. They pointed you to Jesus. Man, I stand in awe of you, of the man. Oh, you were amazing to me. Right? Remember when you used to go on those long trips to go hear the word? <laughs> man, I, 
I remember my, 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 my parents would send, we, we would go with my dad. We would drive two and a half days, three days to Tulsa, go for four days of meetings and go all the way back. And again, I said this last night and I got to just prove Javen that I'm writing this. We were in Tulsa. We were about to leave back from camp meeting after a four day week. And Javen forgot to put my dad's luggage in the car when we were two hours out. Do you remember that? You remember that? And I said it was Javen's fault. He said it was mine. And then he said, actually, it was yours. Yeah. It's probably Josh's. If Josh here, it's probably Josh's fault. But we were two hours outside of Tulsa on the way back to Canada. Right? So I don't know what's, what's, whatever, two hours. And all of a sudden he went, hey, uh, who, did somebody put their, my bag in the trunk? No? Like, I, no, I, I didn't. I mean, I'm 14, 15. I, I don't know about these things. I don't even know if I have mine. Let alone do I have yours. <laughs> And so all of a sudden we realized we stopped the car, opened the trunk, and sure enough, there's Joel's bag, Javen's bag, Josh's bag. Oh, Papa's bag's not there. <laughs> so what happens? Turn right back around and back to Tulsa we went. Four hours and we hit traffic. So what the opportunity to walk in the flesh was very, very high. So we just hit Javen a lot instead, and that was, it's all good. I <laughs> just get it. I don't blame you, brother, but I do. I don't blame you, brother, but I do. Okay. <laughs> but do you remember all those days, man? You would go out and you'd, you'd go to meetings. Man, I remember my dad always said we would drive to Lloyd Minster just for a, a meeting that night and come back. We'd drive to Spokane we'd come back. We'd go to Edmonton just to see a friend of ours speak and we'd come back. Like, that's the, that's the stirring. It's, it's hunger for the Word. It's a craving for it. Now, where did that go? What happened? Still here. <laughs> huh. But for those that are not still here, listen. <laughs> there's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. That's not who our God is. But listen, every time that God gives you a correction, He's trying to get you back closer. He doesn't do anything just a bad boy, bad girl. No, no. I, this one thing I have against you is you, you've abandoned your first love. He said, bring it back because I want you. Remember, he craves you. He wants you. So for those of you, what happened when all of a sudden, if you look at what you used to be like and where you're at now, what happened? Life happened. Right? All of a sudden, you, maybe you got, you know, 17 kids were born and <laughs> you're trying to figure out how to do their math homework. And all of a sudden, you know, Telus gave you a sweet deal on the next cable, right? Netflix sure showed up. All these things came up, right? Life came. Man, all this stuff came. And is there anything wrong with any of that? No. no, it's wonderful. It's great. Thank God for Netflix. I ain't watching commercials anymore. Commercials are annoying to me now. I ain't spending my time watching cable TV. I don't got time for that. <laughs> Hearing about all these deals, and if you, it'll help you in all this. But if you do it, if you take them, make sure you check with the doctor because you could die. Like, <laughs> we saw one not too long ago. Like, you, erectile dysfunction. Oh, God, I ain't taking it. Like, it's just problems. <laughs> I ain't taking any of those pills. <laughs> so when we go, Netflix, all these life just happened. It just took place. I'm, bring it back, people. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> so the question we have to ask, is there a difference now in your relationship with Jesus to what it used to be? Be honest. Ask yourself this. Is there a difference between where I was and where I am today? I used to be the most, you know, exuberant during worship. Well, why did it stop? Who told you to stop? Why? Who told you to stop being kind? Like, what happened? Why, why did all of a sudden did the word level just drop? Why did our prayer just become, oh, you know, Lord, hear our prayer? And that kind of that's it. What, what happened to all this? And as we said live, so how do we close the gap 
from where I was to where I am today, how do we close this gap again? Well, Revelation 2.5, Jesus tells us how to do it. Okay, ready? I'm going to just give you these three words, and this is how we're going to do it. Number one is think. Number two is repent. Number three is do. So let's stop here for a sec. Let's analyze these. Let's, again, 2.5. Think about how far you have fallen. So he's calling to remembrance. Remember the days when you first met me? Remember what it was like. Remember how excited you were. Right? Remember that. And then he says, think about all that. And then he says, repent. Now, when you hear the word repent in the New Testament form, I want you to remember, it means to take another mind. It doesn't mean wallow in your mistake. Oh, God, I just... It means to take a new mind. Say that with me. Take a new mind. That's all that it is. It's not this, you have to wait seven days, this guilt to come off you, then I fully repented. No, repent, I just take a new mind. What's my new thought? I'm going to start craving him again. Simple. Okay, remember where I came from? Man, I used to listen to the word. Man, I would spend time in prayer. Any moment that I had, I would just go after Jesus. Great. Now he says, take that mind back on. Done. Right? New mind. And then he says, notice this. Let me just read 2.5 again. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent or take another mind and do the works of love you did at first. Now notice what it says. It doesn't say to pray for your back. It doesn't say crave for your passion to come, or sorry, crave. It doesn't say pray for your craving to come back. There are no feelings connected to this. There is absolutely no feel of passion back in this. He just says, do the works. Just do it. You know what? It's a decision, not a sensation. The decision that you make. Do the works. So what did you do? I read the word. So it may be, and I just kind of brought my little box of goodies here for a sec, and I'm going to just become real practical with this. It may be... For those of you who have no idea what this is, this is an Xbox gaming console, controller. And we're playing games on it. It may be where I have to, here's my word, but I just had a really long day at work. I just want to, I just want to chill. I just want to play some Xbox. It's so comforting for me. Right? It may be where I have to stop, put it down, and do the work. Everybody know the phrase, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now? Anybody ever say that to themselves? Is that just me? When you wake up and your alarm goes off, get up now. Just, just do it. Just, just do it. Oh, just five more. Just do it. Just, just do it. Just do it. Do it. Just do it. So what happens? You just do it. And then you're out. Well, the same way. You may have to do some of those things. Just looking at, just do it now. Just do it now. Do it, do it now. And I'm going to put this down and I'm going to pick up and do the work. There's no feeling in this. Does your flesh maybe want to be doing this? No, maybe not. Does it want to pray? Maybe not. But you do it anyways. Because what you feed, you crave. Now let's bring another example. Oh, Lord have mercy. I just want to heal. Where's the Netflix button? There it is, Netflix button. Oh, yeah. Sons, bring me a Coke or something. Bring me some popcorn. Daddy's going to sit down and relax tonight. Yeah, I got seven hours of football. Praise the Lord. This is good. It may be. Hey, buddy, what am I going to say to myself? Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Someone say it with me. Do it now. Do it now. Ah, ah. Ah. And you may be like, oh, but it's like my favorite team is playing. But what are you doing? You are establishing a new craving. Is it always easy? No, but is it worth it? Absolutely. 
Because again, what's the standard? You've got to flick your own switch. I can't come up here and pump you up every time. It's not my job. My job is to give the word and that's it. Do it now. Okay, got it. Next thing, this has one been this has been a big one for me. Oh. oh. <laughs> and I'm just using this, yes, as a soccer ball, but also like just represents the gym for me. I enjoy physical exercise. I enjoy doing that. It's for me, it's a release. Right? And thank is this wrong? Is any of this stuff wrong? Is having a TV wrong? Is Netflix binging wrong? No. Because <laughs> you know what? You're going to get some weirdos. Listen, this is, don't get weird on this. You can get a lot of spiritually people who will all of a sudden go, oh, you know, I've just been fasting for 40 days. You can't even do that. Like, just be normal. <laughs> I, the reason I say this is because, I, listen, I've had people come and talk to me and all of a sudden they fasted for seven days and they had these crazy visions that don't even line up with the Bible and they think God spoke to them. You're nuts. <laughs> Other places, not here. <laughs> You're, hey, this is, <laughs> anyways. But there's been times when I'm spent all of a sudden, I'm, I'm establishing this craving. This didn't just come to me. No. Nobody forced me. My parents didn't force the Bible on me. So all of a sudden, I, I realized Jesus loved me. He cared about me. What did I do? I, my response to him was, I want you. There have been times I'd be going to, ready to go to the gym. I have all my stuff on. And I just had even just a check in my heart. Why don't you just come spend some time with me? So on my way to the gym, I said, you know what, Lord? Yes, and I'm going to just divert. And I went to the church and I just spent an hour here with him. Yeah. It's just a, it's a choice that you make, right? If he just tugs her, hey, can, you, can you hang out with me for a little bit? And sometimes my wife does that. My wife does that for a little bit. Absolutely. I'd be stupid to say no. But listen, your God is craving you. He's desiring you, right? And here's the last, the last big one before I get too carried away. But oh, yeah, this is the big one. Oh, my Insta, Insta, Insta. How you doing? Swipe up, swipe up, swipe right, swipe left, swipe down. Oh, yeah, look at look at that 17 likes. <laughs> no big deal, but I'm a pretty big deal, right? And you just, you're checking up all these things. Facebook, oh, yeah, I better have 100 likes. If I don't, I'm going to have to find some new random friends to like my stuff, right? So there's a lot of this, but you get so caught into this. Listen, I have way more than 17 friends. I get a lot of likes, at least 40. That's just to power that off right there. But sometimes it may be I have to put it down and do the work. Are you always going to feel like praying? Are you going to feel like putting in a CD and listening to the word? No. But what you're doing is you're establishing a brand new crave. Man, that's awesome. Okay. Now notice what Jesus said at the end of verse 5. He says, refusing to do this, or to have this passion, bring it back to where it is, I will come and I will remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. So meaning this, refusing to make the change results in your per personal purpose being removed from its place of influence. You and I are all called to a place of influence as believers in Jesus Christ. You have a place of influence that God has called you to be. Whether it's in your job, it's in your family, regardless of where it is, you are called to be an influence. Now he's saying, here's your place of influence. In this, this context of how he's using it, he puts a lampstand there. There is your purpose right there. Now let me just ask you this. Is a lampstand, do you just have a lampstand sitting on your home with no candle flickering on it? Anybody just got a regular lampstand? Without a candle? 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 
Thank you. No, it just looks weird. Like, why do you just have a random candle just hanging out there? What is it for? It needs to have passion on top of it. So your purpose needs passion. If there's no passion, that lampstand is useless. The purpose that you have is useless. What is our passion for? It's for Jesus. If that passion isn't properly placed, your purpose is of no value. Can you see that? This, this is what Jesus is saying. He said, I need you to get, again, your passion back on track with me so that your purpose has meaning. And this is why we have to tell people, especially young people, don't follow your passion. Don't follow that. What do we follow? My purpose. I follow my purpose. This is what God put me here on this earth for, and I'm going to ignite it with my hunger and thirst for Him and whatever He's called me to do. For me, He's called me to preach the gospel. For me, and this is my, my passion, is people. So what do I do? I get excited about preaching the Word. My, my excitement, yeah, I enjoy preaching, but I love people more. Why? From my, my love for people, then I preach. So what do I do? I practice my passion. Say it with me. I practice my passion. This is what you practice. My purpose is already there. Now I gotta just practice what I'm passionate about. But I don't follow my passion. I stick to what my purpose is. Cool? Alright. So again, I wanna finish this off with answering some practical tools. What do we do now that we have this? Number one is we just gotta spend some time yielding to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Ask yourself continually, Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do right now? You wake up, you spending time, you lunch out. Lord, what would you have me do? Come on, let's just say that for a sec. Lord, what would you have me do? It's good just to slow life down a little bit. Lord, what would you have me do? Because you know what? He may just say, why don't you just spend some time in my presence? Is it comfortable for your flesh? No, we got to be doing something. We got to be moving. When's the last time you sat for 10 minutes and just let him talk to you? It says, be still and know that I'm God. Not be doing you know, activities and exercising and listen to me on podcast. He said, be still. Shut everything else off. Be still and know that I'm God. A lot of people are guessing that he's God. Even Christians. Why is it? Because they don't have time for him anymore. Slow the thing. Slow the thing. Right? Okay. <laughs> the next thing that I actually just wanted to do, right after the service, there is a journal for everyone to take home. And I, I, the reason why we did this is because Jamie and I, we spent a lot of time journaling. For me, this has been a, a wonderful exercise. When I spend time with the Lord, I have a Bible, I have my journal, and I have a pen. Why? Because it shows that I'm expecting to hear from Him. It's not about, okay, this, this is just what good Christians do. This, it looks cool, what I'm doing. No, I'm showing God, Lord, I'm expecting to meet with you today. So I have my pen. I got dates on this. I got different color markers. I, Lord, what do you want from me? Right? What, are you, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me? So I spend some time in the Word, and I have an open heart and a prayerful spirit. Lord, as I'm reading the Word, I'm not just reading it, I'm listening to what He's saying to me from the Word. Right? You know, a couple of verses for this, Exodus 34, 27, He said, Write down all of the instructions I give you. Isaiah 38 says this, Now go and write down these words, write them in a book. Jeremiah 30, verse 2 says, The, good, the God of Israel says, Write down for the record everything that I have said to you. Now, can I just give you this quote that I got from Smith Wigglesworth concerning the Word of God? It's really good. Are you ready? It says, never compromise this book with other books. Talking about the Word of God. Comparisons are dangerous. Never think or never say that this book contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in value, infinite in scope, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, 
universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality, read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, and pass it on. Woo! Isn't that good? Man, so what, what I want to do this, this morning is I want to just give us an opportunity to come back and actually make this crave exchange. I want you, like what you see at the cross here, last night we just took some time and you'll see in the seat pocket right in front of you, there's a couple pens, but there's a white piece of paper. Can I just grab that for a sec? And it just says simply the crave exchange on it. And what I want us to do this morning is I want to just you just to look into your life. You don't have to write your name down or anything like that. But is there anything in your life that has taken the place of Jesus being number one? I want you just to think about that for a moment. Has a sport become more important than Jesus? Has a family member become more important than Jesus? Has a job or money become more important than Jesus? Whatever it is, what we're going to do is we're actually going to come up to the cross here and we're actually going to pierce it on the cross and we're going to let it hang there. Because Galatians 5.24 says this, Those that belong to Christ Jesus have nailed, they have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and they crucified them there. Jesus isn't going to take away your cravings. It's a choice. That's why he gave you liberty. You're free to do whatever you want. But I don't know about you, but I'm stirred back up again to make him my absolute number one. Where I'm going to do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. And can I be honest? This is life and death for you. This will, this is separating it all. Because I've had a lot of people come up to me and, you know, they're asking me, I'm just, I need some prayer for this. That's great. What word are you standing on? Because it's don't you're just don't you're just putting confidence in what I can pray. That's great, but don't put confidence in me because I can't do nothing. Who can do everything? It's Jesus. What are you standing on? What word has He given you? Because without hearing the word, man, we can do nothing. So you've got to make sure that Jesus is your number one. And I, I'm I'm saying this, I believe, from the Holy Spirit that this is life and death for some people, not just physically speaking, but also in a depressive state. Your mind is that total. It, it needs this. Your family needs this. Yes. This is a huge mark for you to just say, you know what, Lord? I've put in TV or I've put in social media. I've put in other friendships and relationships. I've put in, you know, certain things in my life that are ought to not be here. But Jesus, you ought to be my number one. Because yeah. you know what happens? The Bible says when you put him first, all of these things, they get added to you. So while you're spending your time hanging out trying to look for a new wife or a new husband and all this kind of stuff, you spend some time with Jesus, He'll bring you the spouse. That's how I got mine. Is she doing the same thing? She spent all of her time seeking God. What happened? Our paths crossed. Coincidentally. No, it's Jesus. So you seek Him first, and this is what happens. I'm talking a crave exchange. We got to, as a church, compromise is no longer of our vocabulary as believers. We're going to have boiling hot individuals here. And that's who we are. I'm, that's, I'm just preaching to the choir. But this is who we are. We are boiling hot for Jesus. So I want you just, Ben, come up here for a quick sec. And I want you just to take a moment. You got that just there. And what we're going to happen, once you fill out, don't come up. I'll, I'll invite you to come up. And what we're going to do, everybody on this side, we're actually going to go in a counterclockwise circle so it's not crazy up here. So everybody on this side, you're going to come out through this aisle and you're going to just walk all the way around the side and you're going to come all the way here. If you got an Apple Watch on, your steps will go high. You'll thank me later for that. <laughs> but I want you just to take a moment. The band's just going to sing a little chorus of this song. And I want you, just between you and God, is there anything in your life that you're saying, you know what, Jesus, I want to make a change today. I'm making a crave exchange today. And Jesus, I want you again.
So just do that for a moment. Just go ahead and you just spend some time with the Lord for a sec. just encourage you we're going to just take this moment i'm going to just start on this side here just so that there's not chaos but if, if you're on this side and if you wanted to write something i'm going to get you actually just to to come out and actually going to walk all the way around and just make yourself here we're going to pierce it on this cross and once this row is all done then we're going to start here and you guys in the middle all are going to work your way through but if that's anybody here i want you just to encourage you let's just go <clears throat> don't be shy thank you jesus
just lift our hands. We worship you, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Come on, you tell him, here am I. All together lovely. All together worthy. All together wonderful. Tell me so. Here I am. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together wonderful too. And I'll never, never know. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that together love. 
hands for a moment. Thank you, You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. to me you are all together lovely to me thank you Lord can you just grab the hand of your neighbor just for a moment we just want to just kind of solidify this just as a family can I just I want to just say thank you so much for your willingness and to go to the next level with Jesus I mean God's love for you has never changed just because you put something up there that love is always there but now we've just positioned ourselves in a different place where now he can start doing things in us. And you know, one of the things that uh, Jeremy said to us just before he, he left, and it was about the Holy Spirit, he talked about us as a church family getting rooted in the love of God, but also showing that same love and kindness to one another. Now we are only as good as our love dwells among one another. We gotta make a room we got to make a room for each other. We've got to make allowances for one another. We cannot have any strife being built up here because what God wants to do in us and through us is bigger. It's bigger. So it requires really a personal effort on you and I. If there is any kind of unforgiveness or bitterness towards another brother or sister, let's, let's throw that out. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I, I mean that with all my heart to the next level where God wants to do in this church. It's not worth it. Holding a grudge or not liking something a certain way. Man, forget about it. we got to go to the next level. So that's what I put up on there. It's just my personal preferences. I'm putting it up there. The way that I like things done. I want what he wants. And part of what he wants is, you know, it says that when we make room and we have love for one another, it says that God is clearly seen and shown among us. So can we just commit to one another before the Lord? that we are going to be patient and kind with each other. Can we do that? So Father, right now we are holding our brothers and our sisters' hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we commit ourselves afresh to you today as a local church, as a church family here at Impact. Father, our heart's desire 
is to serve you. Our heart's desire is to love you to the best of our ability. And Father, right now, we make a solid, concrete decision in our one another. We're not going to be caught up with certain personal preferences or you know, certain styles of how things are done. Jesus, we're going to make room for one another because that's what you've asked us to do. Father, we love you. Just say this after me. Father, I love you. I love you. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for my church family. They love you. This is a zealous house. And I'm grateful for that. And Lord, right now, I make a decision in my heart and in my mind that I'm going to walk and live in love. Because you commanded me. It's an honor to do so. And I'm able to do it because you've given me your love. So I'm capable of loving like you. I make that decision. And I start afresh today. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pass all bitterness away. I get unforgiveness out of the way. All hurt, all resentment from past churches, maybe this church. Whatever it is, I just get it out. I want free. My heart is an open space for you to come and to have your way. Say it, I'm open. Jesus, I'm open. There's nothing holding us back from a relationship. Jesus, nothing holding me back. Thank you, Lord. Now let's just praise Him just for a sec. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. You are altogether lovely. You are altogether worthy. Come on, you just lift your voice. He's just doing some heart hurts, heart surgery this morning. Just receive that. If you've been hurt, you just let that go. Thank you, Lord. You came to mend and heal the brokenhearted. It's not your will that hearts be broken. It's not your will that people be hurt. Get our eyes on you, Jesus. We get our eyes fixed on you. You are good. You are faithful. And we love each other because we love you. Thank you, Lord. Ah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Oh, thank you, Lord. Man, that's a good spot. It's a sweet spot, actually. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm just checking my heart. I'm open. You know what I love? Thank you for this church, too. Thank you, church, for always just being willing to flow with the Holy Spirit, even if it means it's 1218. Thank you. Thank you. We're not a church that just does business and, oh, out you go, have a good week. We, we want God to do what He wants to do in us. So thank you for that. Isn't He a good God? We love you, Jesus. We love you.